0: So again, my name is Matthew Tilly, and this is the Seeking Christ in the Scriptures podcast. And uh, we on this podcast, we study, uh, the, the, study of the books of the Bible. Right now, we're in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and we're studying the first three chapters. Uh, this is about the coming of Jesus Christ, how he shows up on the scenes and how he is is there, and and, and uh, uh, he shows up. And, and, preaches the gospel of the kingdom. So that's what Mark's uh, gospel opens up with. We have studied so far in the episodes up to this point, we've studied verses one all the way down to verse 20. Uh, Jesus has entered the scene. Jesus has, uh, he has uh, been tempted. Uh, He has been baptized, and he's even called some disciples to follow him, people that he said, I'm here to establish my kingdom. And uh, when he said, I've established that kingdom, I am, uh, I need you to, I, I'm going to get my my army lined up. And that's what he's done. And then we pick up in verse 21 tonight. And what, what happens in this passage in verse 21, going down to verse 28, I titled this that Jesus scandalizes the religious people. And that's exactly what he does. And just as a, a sort of introductory thought to this, I think in... Really, uh, from the minute that Jesus shows up in Mark, but really all the way through history, it, we have this way of trying to kind of put Jesus in sort of something that we can confine and that we can that we can sort of understand and kind of put him in a box, if you will. Uh, we want him to be molded to our image, to do our bidding, to do what we want him to do, and that's that's a natural human tendency for us because. Jesus is God, and He's so much bigger. It's much more powerful. But for some reason we try to bring Him down to our level. Now, now to be fair, that's what Christmas is all about, right? That Jesus comes in human in human form, and He comes with us. He is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. So He He does become human scale. He gets on our level, but He is not us. Yes, he becomes man, and he is fully God, and he's fully man, and he sacrifices uh, himself for us. And it, all of the beauty of the gospel, but never lose sight of who this is. This is the, this is Jesus, the, the Christ, the God-man, the one who is the creator of the universe. And sometimes we can kind of put him off to the side and say, he, he's going to fit what I want him to fit. And one of the things about Jesus in the gospels, if you read about it, I enjoy studying Jesus, preaching about Jesus, teaching about Jesus in the Gospels because he is he is who he is and he shapes you. You either have to accept him and allow him to change you or you will reject him and say, yeah, he's just not my speed because he's not gonna mold to you. You must change to fit him. And I want you to see that in this passage because this Jesus has come on the scene, the son of God, he is announcing his, his right, and his intent to rule and reign with absolute authority. And when he does that, you're going to see that it's going to upset some people. So before we get into this much further, I want to stop just a moment, and I want to ask the Lord to help me as I try to speak to you uh, to understand this and ultimately to apply it to, to my heart and my life and for you to do the same. Would you pray with me? Would you maybe pray a similar prayer? Now, Father, there are some folks that are listening. Maybe there's some that are live. They may be listening to this later, but they're listening right now. And they're, I hope, opening the Bible and studying along with me. But Lord, you know, it's not my words that are meaningful, although you can certainly use me. It is ultimately your word. And that's what we want to hear. We want to hear a voice from heaven. We want to hear what you've got to say. And I pray that we'll listen, that we will not be scandalized, but instead we will believe your words and embrace it and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First of all, when Jesus comes onto the scene here in verse 21, I want you to see, first of all, what he's doing. He is claiming to be the author of truth. That's a big claim. I just want to see this. I want to follow along. Here in Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. Uh, this is immediately following when he's calling the disciples. That's the prior, p- prior passage. He calls his disciples with him, and he says in verse twenty-one, "And they went into Capernaum." So immediately they have called; they decided to follow Jesus, and they go into the city of Capernaum. And it says, "And straightway on the Sabbath day." So I don't know if much time was intervening there, but the, the first Sabbath that comes along, he enters into the, the, the synagogue and, talk, and talks. This was a pretty typical thing Jesus would do. It was on it was Sabbath because he was. He was very observant of the religion. He was, he, he obeyed the law. I mean, it was his law. So he was, he was, he was doing everything correctly. And one of the things that would have been a proper thing for someone to do that would have been a, a, a observant Jew would have been to go to the synagogue. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He goes in the synagogue and he, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher of the law. So he actually goes in and teaches. Uh, it's not exactly the same thing, but a parallel to help us understand in this day and age, it would be as if uh, there was a visiting preacher and he's in a specific town. He drops in on a church and they invite him up in the podium to, to, to deliver the message for the day. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. It's like, he's going to church and he's, he's delivering the message of the day. So he goes there, he teaches, but look at what happens when he does teach verse 22. They, this is the, the people that are at the synagogue. They were astonished at his doctrine. And they they're they're sitting there and they're astonished. That that word astonishes is that they are they're shocked by it. They are they are knocked down. It's almost like if you've ever been, you maybe got some news or maybe somebody did something that was unexpected to you, and you're just stunned. You're stunned silent, you're you're just, you're scandalized. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. That's exactly what that word astonished means in this passage. These people, they, they got that and they were just shocked by it. What in the world? Now, why? Why is that? Jesus, as we understand him, I, I believe in his own words where he says, I am meek and lowly. Uh, I my, my burden is light. He's he, he's a he's a gentle savior so why are these people so shocked here's jesus i don't think he's coming in boisterous and mean or ugly in any way so why is he shocked well it explains it in the next pass or next uh, phrase in the verse he says they were astonished at his doctrine for or because he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes, what these people were used to doing, uh, were used to getting, and it's just the same today in, in our in our Christian churches. What I'm used to hearing is a is a person opening up the Scripture and reading the Scripture, and then explaining that to me, and maybe referencing commentaries or scholars or other other authorities, but ultimately s- submitting himself. To what the scripture says. He's ultimately saying, this is not my word. This is someone else's word. I want to share this with you. That's what the scribes would have done. They would not have claimed in any way that the scriptures that they were teaching were their idea or what they wanted. They they were appropriate in how they were doing it. But what's Jesus doing? He's not teaching in that way. He's not teaching as the scribes who have what you might call derived authority. He's teaching as one who has authority. He's not saying I'm teaching something to you that somebody else gave to me. He's acting like he wrote the scriptures is what he's doing. And and, and again, if I were to talk to you right now, some of you that are listening to me, if you were to hear me and I was to act as if it was my thought and my words that pinned down the gospel of Mark and, and I were to say, essentially, I wrote this book, and this is what I intended for it. If I were to act that way, I think you'd be a little surprised by that, and, and probably, I'd rightly so. Wouldn't probably wouldn't want to listen to me anymore because that would be something something's wrong with that. But here's Jesus doing exactly that. Do you know why he's acting like he wrote it, acting like that? The truth that he's teaching in this scripture, that he's standing in front of the synagogue. Why is he doing that? Well, the reason is because he did. He's God. He's, and this is, this is how Jesus is. He's, he's not asking your permission. He's not seeking your opinion. He, he's not sort of uh, going out uh, glad handing for votes. He's not trying to persuade one way or the other, trying to get you to see it his way or trying to see what you think so he can think like you. He is the author of the Old Testament, which is probably what he, I'm I'm sure what he was standing there teaching, bringing scriptures in the Old Testament. He wrote that. He wrote the New Testament. He said what he meant, and it's up to us to either believe it, accept it, say, say that's what he said, I believe it, therefore it's true because he said it, or to reject it. The the problem problem is, and the reason that I'm emphasizing it this way, and this is, I think, why Jesus even does it, is because it's easy to read the Scripture, hear what's said, and start saying, well, this is what I think it means. This is what I think we should do about this. Or I don't really like that, so I'm just going to push that off to the side. Uh, Famously, uh, Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers of the United States, uh, had a copy of the scripture in which he had cut out verses that he did not agree with and he did not think that really should not should be followed so he literally had cut out passages of, of the scripture and while you and I may not do that actually I mean my Bible is whole it's got all the Bibles all the the, the words in it but practically that's what we do but what Jesus is saying here is listen I'm the one with authority. He's coming in and establishing that and making it clear that he said what he meant. We don't get the option of deciding that. I think um, in today's era, in today's modern age, it is pretty easy for people to say, listen, um, that that was for a different time and a different place. And, And there are some I'll be I'll be the first to tell you that some of Jesus's teaching makes me go, oh, I wish you hadn't said it that way. But you know, it's not my call. That's his call. That's exactly what he's doing. He's the one who is the king of kings and Lord of lords. He has entered onto the scene. And yes, I am so glad he did because he rescued me from my sin. He rescues me from my enemies. But you know what else he also he does is he said, it's my way or the highway. You're going to do it my way. This is the way we're going to do it. This is the truth. I am the author of the truth. You'll see this continued on because not only is he claiming to be the author of truth, but he's also claiming to be in control. I want you to see this when he continues on. Now, he's still in the synagogue. He's teaching these people in, um, where did I leave off? In verse uh, 22, they're astonished by his teaching because he's teaching with authority. And then it says in verse 23, And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. So we've got a man, unclean spirit, pretty clear. This man is a, a demon possessed man. He's entered into the synagogue. It's one way of thinking of it. This is my perspective on it. I don't know if this is true or not. I don't think it would be disproved by the text, uh, but it's not clearly proven either. But it, it seems like it might be a man who um, would have been an attender to the synagogue. He might even have been somebody that was prominent in the synagogue. I don't know that he could have wandered in off the street. We really don't know, but but it doesn't seem, based on the way that the, the that Mark is telling this uh, incident, he doesn't seem to be. No one seems to be shocked that this man is here. Uh, I think what he says is a little shocking. This is what he says, but but we've already established the people in the in the synagogue in verse twenty two. They're astonished. They're scandalized by it. So. Maybe they wouldn't be that shocked that there would be somebody coming in of the synagogue saying, Jesus, what are you saying? Why are you here? But he's clearly demonic in what he's saying. Um, And and again, even though it's clear that he's demonic based on what Mark is saying, it doesn't seem to be too shocking. They're shocked by Jesus, but they're not shocked by this man um, and what he says. And here's what he says in verse 24. He says, this is what he says to Jesus. He, He sees Jesus. He cries out. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. He he says, he's essentially shrieking here, screaming at Jesus, why are you here? I don't know if the emphasis is, why are you, Jesus? You, why are you here? Or why are you here? This place doesn't need you. I'm not sure which one it is, but the, the ultimate question is, are you here? How does he put it there? Um, are you here? If you come to destroy us, are, 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 is my time, the demon's asking, is my time up? And, and I think it echoes some of what is asked uh, in another passage. This is over in Matthew chapter 8, and verse 29. In Matthew 8, uh, it's, the, it's the story of the demoniac of Gadara. That story is also in Mark chapter five, same, same incident. But in Matthew chapter eight and verse 29, the demons as they're coming out or as Jesus is calling them out, uh, they ask a similar question. Basically don't hurt me. I don't want you to hurt me. They know that Jesus has power over them and they're saying, listen, I thought I had more time. Why are you here now? Now is not the time. And furthermore, now, don't forget, these are demons talking here or a demonic, being talking here. And he says, he, he it identifies Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. And then says, I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. This demon is saying what even the Pharisees, the very religious people of the day, never would re- ultimately recognize that Jesus was divine, that he was indeed God. Now, Jesus never corrects this, this demon. He never says, no, you're not right. But what does he say to him? Let me, let me acknowledge what he doesn't say. He doesn't negotiate. He doesn't plead, oh, please, would you you know let me talk or let me do. No, look at what he says. Look at what he does say. Jesus, verse 25, Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. Now, I don't know exactly the tone and all that that Jesus would have said that in, but it seems pretty direct. Hold thy peace and come out of him. Shut up. And get out of there. Leave us alone. That's what he's saying. He's saying, shut up and get out. There's no ritual, there's no incantation, there's no gyration, there's nothing going on here except direct commanding. You'd almost think, you'd almost think (laughs) that Jesus was in control of the situation. I don't know if you've ever had those kind of situations. Maybe at work, where uh, there's a there's a, a commanding figure. Maybe it's a boss man or a, a manager or something like that. Is a very commanding figure, commanding over the situation, and everybody's like, well, "What do we do? Do we do this? Do we do that?" And then this person walks in and says, "This is what you do," and everybody snaps to attention and they just go do it. It's exactly who Jesus is in this situation. There's a lot of confusion. If this was me and I to be teaching in a synagogue and there would be a man or something comes up and says, you yeah, know, why are you here? and Start screaming at me. I mean, honestly, I don't know what I would do, but Jesus's reaction is not to beg, to flee, to back down, to do anything. But he says, get out, get out now. You know what happens? You know what the amazing thing is? Verse 26. And the unclean spirit, when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Jesus says, get out. What does the demon do? Gets out. Because Jesus is in control here. It works. It absolutely works to get this done. Now, if you keep on reading in verse 27, the people there they were already scandalized by Jesus. But now look at what happens. They're amazed, insomuch that they question among themselves, saying, What is this thing? They're not sure what they just saw. They're not, they're not confident in it. They, they just don't know exactly what to think about that they even said what new doctrine is this i think there's even some hints that maybe they're accusing jesus of not being uh, of heresy they're tr- of, of not teaching the truth of maybe even he, and the pharisees would do this later on that he was aligned with the devil somehow that something what something was with him was just not right it says for with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him And then it says in verse 28, and immediately as a result of this, his fame spread abroad throughout the region and around Galilee. These people try to explain it away. They try to uh, suggest maybe somehow he's out of line. Uh, But what Jesus has done very clearly, I believe, is he staked his claim. He's the author of the scripture. He's the one that wrote it down. It's his word, not debatable. And when he walks into the room, He expects everyone to follow in line behind him. He's in control. As I've already suggested, it's Jesus's way or it's the highway, as they say. There's no compromise. There's no middle ground. Um, Again, it gets folks riled up it does you see that verse uh what was that verse 22 they're astonished by it. they're shocked by it verse 27 they're sitting around questioning him and they're saying i don't know about that i can only imagine some of the some of the complaints that they were filing against him but they were they were pretty riled up it, it draws a crowd verse 20 uh, 28 says you know a- after this happened everybody was talking about jesus everybody was looking for jesus he's the guy that could come in and he." teaches with authority. He teaches like he wrote the Bible. He he's casting out demons and they're listening to him Uh, so that there's, there's a lot of activity, a lot of furor that gets, that gets riled up here. But what Jesus is doing is he's confronting a very real reality. I want you to understand this about mark i've tried to say this before but i want to reiterate it especially for those of you that are really trying to understand what mark is about john mark the author here that that god used is writing primarily to roman christians so these would have been gentile christians who would have been in a very pagan land and area that that would have been completely for all intents and purposes godless Definitely would not have followed, not the Jewish law, definitely not the, definitely not the Jewish law, and definitely not uh, any kind of Christian teachings. They would have been, that's who he would have been writing to. This would have been after Jesus was gone, had been resurrected and, and, and ascended up into heaven. He's talking to these people. And they are in a world in which, you know, it might be tempting to take Jesus and maybe add him to the culture around them, the, add him to the other religions that they were being taught at the time. And what Jesus is saying here is, I'm not going to give you that choice. I'm not going to give you that as even an option. It's either believe in me or reject me. It's either believe in me and then follow through by living a life that understands the implications of that. That means you're going to have to turn away from the prevailing culture. You're going to have to turn away from all these other religions that are, maybe it's traditional religions, maybe it's the way you were raised or any number of things. You're going to have to turn away from what everybody else says, what you even are saying to yourself, because we all have our own way of doing and thinking, right? He says, you're going to have to turn away from that. And you're going to have to obey me. You're not going to have to, you don't believe your truth. That's a common phrase. It's often used today. What is my truth? What is your truth? And I appreciate some of where that's coming from, but, Jesus says, I don't, I'm not asking you what your truth is. I'm telling you what the truth is, and you're either going to believe it and embrace it and obey it, or you're walking away from it. If you're rejecting it, and he and, and I think Jesus leaves us that space. He's saying there's there's really an A or a B. A you're accepting or B you're rejecting. And if you're rejecting it, you're saying, Listen, I am more committed to to my tradition, what I'm used to, the way I've always done it, the way everybody around me is doing it, I'm committed to that. I'm not necessarily committed to Christ. And I think for those of you that are believers in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, what you need to understand is that your savior, the one you say you love, the one that died for your sins, the one that you follow, he's not asking you to do better, incrementally improve your life. He's saying, forsake everything else and follow him. Seek his kingdom first. He'll give you everything else that you need, but you're going to have to take what he has offered and what he is telling you, his scripture, and quit trying to uh, line it up with the way you, you always think or try to explain certain things away. No, no, take him at face value, hear what he has to say hear him loud and clear, and obey him. For those of you that may be listening that don't believe in Jesus, maybe you've heard the stories, maybe you're you're studying. I'd love to know if you were studying this, trying to get a sense of what Christianity is all about. I want to be the, one of the first, probably the first to tell you, yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for you. Yes, he will. he has covered your sins. He has offered the gift, the free gift of salvation to you but what he's not offered to you is the opportunity to add him to your way of thinking. He's literally, and that's what Mark is laying out for us. He is literally a conquering King and the conquering King will have no words of the former King. He will have no followers of the former King. You will renounce the former King and follow him or you will be part of the followers of the former King, which if you know how the ancient world would have worked, that meant you weren't here anymore. You were judged. You were you were uh, you were um, uh, condemned because of that. So I want you to hear that very loud and clear. What Jesus is offering is not a third way. He's saying it's my way, or you keep going your way, and there will be judgment because of that. Hope that's clear in the passage. Now next week we're going to pick up in. Uh, Well, actually, we're going to stick, go back to verse uh, 21, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 39 because there's a a theme that starts to be introduced here. We we just sort of touched on it briefly today, but uh, this idea of demonic activity, Um, I know in some ways, depending on how you're wired, that's either really interesting, oh my goodness, I want to hear about the demons, or really scary, uh, however you think about it, but that's a pretty big theme in Mark, demonic activity and Jesus control over it. I, I can just go ahead and tell you uh, Jesus is in control of it, for sure. But I think some questions we need to wrestle with is, is this demonic activity real? Is it real today? What does it look like? What does it mean? Does it even matter today? And I think some of what Mark uh, lays out for us from Jesus' Jesus's ministry in the Gospel of Mark, what he lays out for us for those ancient people, I think have application for us today as he deals with, Doesn't wrestle with, he's in control, full control of. But as he deals with the demonic activity, I think it'll be instructive for us as well. Hope this has been helpful to you. I really appreciate those of you that take the time to listen in. Um, Again, always welcome any feedback, any questions, uh, maybe something I didn't touch on that you thought maybe should have been touched on. You just let me know. I'll be glad to do what I can either on this uh, show or one-on-one, however we need to do it. But just know I want to make this useful for you. But thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, next week. I'll have it scheduled next uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. We'll see you then. Bye now.